Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Fix this before it falls. How are we doing today? This is a good time to point out that um, we still have the Give to the Future Fund, where hopefully we'll someday renovate in here. We'll add some air conditioning. So it's a good time. Always take the opportunity when you can, right? Uh, and uh, that is true that we'd like to renovate, and that would be part of the deal. So uh, hey, you know, maybe someday. Till then, we're just holier than those churches that have air conditioning, right? Uh, and so I, uh, by the way, I want, as we, we look to our, our passage today, I, I want you to, to think of yourself a, 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 as dirt. Can you say that? I'm dirt. Does that feel good? <laughs> I'm dirt. You're like, oh man, I had kind of a rough week. I was hoping to be inspired, encouraged today. I'm dirt, right? But not that kind of dirt, necessarily, right? I, I want you to think of the, the, the good kind, right? I'll bring it out for us. Um, and it's not a lot, but it's actually, if you can see, it's some good dirt, good potting soil. When you think about dirt, right, just a little bit of it is no good. You sweep that up, you vacuum that up, you don't want that, right? But when you collect this kind of dirt and you get it here, right, you now have an environment where something can grow and flourish, right? Like even though it's an arrangement now, an arrangement now it's uh, uh, probably going to wilt pretty soon, but that once grew in dirt like this, right? And so it's kind of like when we talk about the, the mission of, of the gospel, right, that, that we want our environment to be one that flourishes, okay? And I, and I got that idea from this verse. Now, the passage we're going to look at is just seven verses, and this is the end. I don't usually do this, right? Let's give you the end before the beginning. But I want you to see this is how it ends, and it's really good, right? And it says, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And that word increase we see in English is a Greek word that Luke used that's more of a planting or farming uh, term that's like to grow, right, to flourish, And I think maybe what Luke was kind of thinking, if you remember Jesus' parable of the soils of the sower, where he's talking about the gospel when it's planted, right, different things that can happen to you. It can get snatched away before he ever does anything, fall on rocky ground and burn out with the sun, right? And and some get choked up by the the weeds, by the thorns, and, and those are the cares of the world. But some, the good seed, right, it flourishes, it grows hundredfold. And in a way, what we're going to see is this church, and really what our prayer for us to be, is that parable come to life, right? To flourish. But the end of this event is actually something that could have went really bad. In fact, I'll represent that with, I don't know, how many people here are garden people? Like you you have or you do? All right, quite a few of you, right? Yeah, we know Ralph is. He's always talking about his garden, right? And, and, And so... Uh, every once in a while, something like this pops up, right? So you can see it. Oh, a nice, beautiful weed, right? And they just pop up so quick. If we were actually working on growing weeds, it'd be easy. 
for some reason. And if you don't deal with a weed like this, what does it do? It spreads and spreads and spreads. And so these little things that can get in the way of our, of our garden, you know, like uh, weeds or rocks or rabbits that you're always talking about. Like, I love bunny rabbits, but if you have a garden, you don't like them so much, right? And, and so there's an event that we're going to see that's like a weed. And the question is, what, what do you do and how do they deal with it? Because if you don't deal with it, it can completely ruin what you're, you're trying to see happen, right? Flourishing gospel community. And, and we're going to see how they dealt with it, hopefully learn as well. And I'll do it as quickly as I can, I promise. All right? Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for um, your mighty and wonderful and beautiful blessings. Thank you for um, the Lord's Supper where we could celebrate your death and for us, your resurrection and victory over sin and death. We thank you for time of song and time of fellowship. Thank you for our kids downstairs. We thank you for this past week at VBS and all that did so much in your name. Lord, take this time and glorify your name with it in our lives that we might be changed, that we might be an environment that flourishes for the gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so um, if you... uh, want to follow along, put it on the screen if you want to follow along. It's Acts 6, we've been going through since the beginning, and uh, it's uh, starting verse 1, we ended chapter 5 last week. Um, and, and, and as you do that, I do want to really quickly, uh, you saw the video, so um, I want to uh, just thank Lauren and all the many volunteers, uh, some are here, uh, crazy hot, it's always got to be the hottest week of the year, I don't know why. Um, Maybe because we do it in the summer. It could be something to do with that. But uh, it, it's, it was really hot. But the kids were amazing. So many uh, kids. I really apologize. That wasn't me who made that joke. That was Rocco Star. Some of your kids came home with Rocco's autograph on their heads. Stuff like that. We fired him. All right. He's gone. Okay. Um, and, 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 uh, but it was a great blessing. So pray, speaking of fruit, that that, that would flourish in those kids' lives as they get older and, and come to Christ. Um, so, you know, as, we, we, as Luke gets to chapter 6, you can even say, now in these days. Like, he didn't really like giving us timelines. A great, accurate historian, but he didn't really always give us timelines. So there's some scholars that truly believe this is about five years since Pentecost. Uh, we don't know that for sure. That's just kind of a guesstimate. Um, but some time has certainly passed. And, and, um, and, and the, the, another estimate is the church at this point, remember it started as about 150 people, right? It's now twenty to 25,000 and they're still largely almost all Jewish Christians. Um, it hasn't gone to the Gentiles yet. But we've seen a lot of summary statements so far saying how this has flourished, right? Like not a lot of weeds at all, right? We have seen seeds of the gospel planted and we've seen it just bloom and it's been just absolutely amazing. And, and a lot of summary statements including this, you know, including uh, this one, increasing in number, right? Increasing in number. But we've seen opposition. Last week we saw the Sanhedrin. Opposition from the outside. See, Satan always tries to oppose the gospel. We've been over and over that. And he, and, and he loves to try that opposition from the outside. It never seems to work very well, though. It didn't work. We saw it last week. But it seems like he has a lot more effectiveness of bringing opposition from within. And that's what the, tri- the, the effort here is going to be. So let's see what the weed looked like, okay? The word, the, uh, the, the, in these days, the disciples were increasing in number 
a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. There's the problem, right? We got things going, people coming to Christ. Now we got a real issue, right, that, that we got to deal with. And, and, and some people feeling really, really overlooked. So in, in, a, in the fastest way possible, I could try to explain what's happening here. Okay, that, that when you see Hellenists, that means their culture and language was Greek. Okay, but they were living in the, the, the area of Jerusalem. Um, uh, the, long ago, many generations before these people, Jews had been pushed out. And so now they, they grew up learning different culture, different language, but still Jewish. Okay, a lot of times in their twilight years, uh, kind of like think of us going down to live in Florida or the Carolinas or something warmer, what they would do is they would retire and move back to the sacred city of Jerusalem. So there was a lot of older Hellenists. And a lot of times the, the husband would die first. And she had a number of widows. The, the Hebrews were those who grew up, their generations of parents, grandparents were in and around the city of Jerusalem. And so their primary language was Aramaic. Now you can imagine as this church has grown and they, became, they came to Christ, they have different language, first languages, they have a lot of different cultural ways of looking at things. And so a mess can happen, can it? Same thing can happen today. As you grow, different languages, different cultures, different ages, different, right? It can cause a mess. And we have a mess here. And, and the complaint is that this major food distribution, because widows, you know, they couldn't get jobs, these women, and they, they couldn't rely on Social Security. They relied on charity. So there's a major production of food, charity being given to them, and they were being overlooked. We don't know. We're not told. Were they purposefully being overlooked because they're just sort of those Hellenists, or was it just because there was a cultural barrier that, that, a, that a mistake was being made? We don't know. Probably a little bit of both, which can happen. And so the point isn't as much the food, right? The, the, the point is far more that you have a whole group of people in the body of Christ feeling overlooked, feeling not wanted, feeling, you know, all these different things, and it's a problem. And so the question is, what are the apostles, their leaders, going to do about it? Just like any time a weed grows up, you can, you can, they could have ignored it. That always works, right? Ignore the problem. I won't make you raise your hand, but how many of us here deal with problems that way? Maybe it'll go away. How does that work? Almost never works out good. They could have done that. Or they could have fought it. You people are crazy, bunch of old ladies. They don't know what they're talking about. Wouldn't have been very apostle-like, but they could have done that. Or they can deal with it well, because if they don't, this is going to spread. And it's going to be a major problem for the mission of the gospel. And so let's see what they do. Verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples, so the whole church, a lot of people, right? And they said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And they don't mean waiter, being a waitress. They're talking about this food distribution. This almost sounds a little pretentious, right? Like, oh, you know, the high and mighty apostles, right? But they don't mean it that way. In fact, they called this meeting because it is important. But what they're doing, what a good leader will do is they're prioritizing right? We are called to preach the word of God. That's why we've seen it blow up and flourish, and we need to keep doing that. And, and the problem is they probably were in charge. There's 12 of them. When they were two, 300 people, a few widows, no big deal. 
they probably got a thousand widows now. This is like a full-time job. And if they do that, right, to its effectiveness, they're going to stop preaching. They're going to stop teaching, and the gospel's not going to spread. And so they're like, well, we need to stay focused on our priorities, but it's still very important, which is why they called the meeting in the first place. So here's what they do. They delegate. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. We're going to keep our priority, but this needs to be dealt with, so we're going to delegate good, mature Christians who you all agree should be in charge of this. This isn't just stocking shells with, you know, cans of soup. This is an important ministry where there's finances involved and and people who are feeling neglected involved. We need some mature guys to come alongside and run this. But why don't you bring forward names and we're okay with it. Let's let's do it, right? Here's the key, verse 5. And when what they said pleased the whole gathering. Everyone's like, we like that idea. Both the Hellenists and the Hebrews, they're together saying, that's a good idea. And so they go ahead and they choose these names. Two of them, uh, we're going to see later on, Stephen very soon in Acts, and then Philip. The rest of them we never hear of again, at least in the Bible. Um, uh, but all of them are Greek names. So that way make most scholars think all or most were Hellenists themselves, which made sense, right? The issue is with our Hellenist widows, our Greek widows. Let's pick some guys who are mature in the faith, but understand their language and understand what's happening. Um, and so there you see the, the list. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and I'm sure I'm saying these right, Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them. Right, so when, when, when they come forward, the apostles agree because they're the leaders and they put their hands on them. That's praying for them, but that's also giving them responsibility, transferring this responsibility to them. And this whole process, right, these six verses, takes something that could have been a real problem and weeds the garden so it can continue to flourish. Right? By the way, these, um, a couple of things with this list. Uh, one of them is that uh, many uh, scholars, many Bible teachers believe this was the early form of later we see a, 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 an office of a deacon who was put forward a mature characteristic, Christian character to oversee um, uh, the needs within the church body, right? So, so whether that's the case or not doesn't really matter, but we see that, that sort of forming. It can't just be the key leader, the elders, the pastors, or the, in this case, the apostles, but it's got to get done. And so they, they delegated out. Second last thing I want you to see is, remember, this gospel so far is with the Jewish community. But remember what Jesus commands. It's got to go to the end of the earth. It's got to go to the Gentiles. And we're, we're going to see that blow up, but first we see it leaking a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is I don't even know if they intend to but you see Hellenists. They're still Jewish, but they're sort of second class. They've come to Christ. Now you see a proselyte who's an important leader, right? And, and a proselyte is someone who was not born Jewish, but they converted. And so not an ethnic Jew, but we're seeing the gospel start to get out of the comfort zone of Jerusalem and just those with a Jewish background. And that is about to, in the coming couple of chapters, to explode outward, right? God's mission to go bring it to all who need Christ.
all right? And so that weed brings us to that verse 7, which I already gave you, right? That the word of God grows. Number of the disciples multiplied greatly. And even a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That's probably not the priests and the council that we've been talking about. Maybe a couple of them, but, but probably it's the more. There was thousands of common priests. Maybe if you remember John the Baptist, his father was one. And, they, and, and a lot of them were coming to know Jesus. And, and this is just, just continues to spread. Nothing is stopping this mission. But when you think about it, how badly that could have went. And, 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 and so what I want us to think about is how badly it can go. Churches or gospel organizations with one little weed that spreads, if not dealt with in the right way, by everybody. Unless you're sitting here saying, well, Jamie, church people were very different back then. We all got, to get, got it together now. You're not saying that, are you? I hope. Probably not. Because we all still have messes in our lives. We have baggage. We have uh, cultural differences, age differences, ways of looking at the world differences. We have differences in sanctification. Some of you have been in Christians for a long time and have grown in your faith. Others are very new to it. And so you get that and you bring all of that. You don't think there's ever going to be a misunderstanding. There's never, of course. And you all know because you've experienced it yourselves, most likely. Sometimes when you're a new Christian, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to church. All these people are going to be like, just like Jesus. Boy, were you mistaken, huh? And disappointed. I hope it was a far better experience than other places in the world. But you're going to see mess. And, and so the, the, the issue is what do we deal with it? I was reading um, and when I was studying for this. There was a number of years ago now. There was a church that was pretty big and had done really, really had flourished in the gospel, done some great things. But they were now at a point where they were in court. One, they were having a church split. One side was suing the other. And it's in the public. It's in the newspapers. Imagine non-churchgoers going, what in the world? And it was in the paper. They said the, the start of this church split, why this happened, was there was a church supper. And that the, one of the elders, and I don't know if they meant leaders or just an elderly guy. I'm not really sure, right? That's how it wrote it. Was in line, and next to him was a kid, and they gave the kid a bigger piece of ham. Church split. I know, you're thinking, well, that's really dumb, and it is. But if you, if, you, if you think with me, in any experience you have, you really think that began with a piece of ham? You know that there was other little wheats that made that guy, regardless of how he reacted, and others, because if it was just one event, a lot of people would have said, dude, calm down, right? But it caused a problem because there was already people either being feeling overlooked or feeling something, and that was just another weed that was spreading. And even afterwards, it wasn't like, not enough ham, let's go to court. Right? That's not how it worked. Right? There was, issues were raised, and clearly they didn't, they didn't deal with it. And next thing you know, this church, which was once so gospel promise in it, is now splitting. Some of you maybe have been part of that. Not just churches, but gospel organizations. And, and it just starts with some of those weeds that aren't dealt with. So what do we learn that, that some of the ways that, that a church and, and, and organizations need, and, and we learn clearly through this, the first thing you need is wise leaders. And maybe, you know, you're not a pastor or elder of a church, but if you're a leader in any kind of ministry or team or um, even your home, right, uh, this principle 
uh, or you someday want to be a leader. You're like, I, I would like to lead. This is important for you to know and learn from. Or if you're not any of those things, to remember to pray for your leaders, specifically for wisdom. Right? That's God, uh, the Holy Spirit. When it said these, these men were filled with the Spirit, they weren't walking around like this, right? They were, they were filled with the fruit of the Spirit and was demonstrated in their life. So we pray for that, for our leaders. So what does it mean to have wise leaders in these situations? Well, number one, you have to actually care about the people you're leading. It may seem kind of uh, like, well, obviously, but I know some church leaders, or you're just numbers, to advance the ball to their goal. And that's a huge mistake. That if people, clearly these widows matter to the apostles, regardless of what they thought, I don't know, maybe you're a little, being a little, whatever, you're overdramatic, or even if it was a situation where like, I don't think, but they like, we care enough to call people together and say, we got to deal with this, right? So you need leaders who actually care. If you don't care, you're sunk right there. Second, you need leaders who um, prioritize and delegate. That's what you saw happen, right? And what does that mean? Because, this, like I said, apostles, they probably could do it all when it was 150, 200, 300. But by the time you're dealing with 25,000 people, that's a more than a full-time job for more than one person. And so they're trying to do that. They're not going to preach the gospel, which God called them to do and was the very reason they were so many, right? Think about it if you start, decided to start a, um, a teen Bible study or a Bible study on a college campus. And you start with five students. It's great. You preach. You're teaching, right? You're ministering the word, right? A year later, because you've been so effective and been praying, and now you have 35 students. It's a completely different job now, isn't it? How are you going to do what you did for five to 35? You can't. And so the temptation is to try, and then you stop doing what God called you to do. Now you're worried about all the parameters and details. And so a wise leader, when that happens, Still prioritize what God called you to do and find others who, are, who have giftings and delegate those tasks to them. That's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to think like if you know what the organization is and you have enough manpower to delegate, but when you're growing, sometimes you forget and you're like, oh my goodness. Like, from, like 15 years ago when I uh, became a senior pastor here till now, my job is almost completely different except for preaching the word teaching, counseling the word, and leading vision, those things are, were there and still there. Everything else is different. I actually led, <laughs> VB, I, can, I can barely say this with a straight face. I actually led VBS one year. What a disaster. I should not be doing that. It actually worked out okay because I had some really great leaders under me, and I just took their credit for them, right? Um, but at the same time, I could do things like that because we had one service, 70 people. If a visitor walked in, I knew it right away. Poor, poor people. Hey, how's it going? Right? Now, sometimes someone can come for several weeks, and I'm like, maybe. I don't really know. But can I? Can our elders only? No. But it needs to still happen. So you prioritize, but you delegate. You make sure they still feel welcomed. You make sure they, so all those things are still taken care of. We just can't do them all. Like maybe when we have 60, 70 people. 
Whatever ministry it is, that's going to happen to you. And, and wise leaders are like, no, no, no. I got to prioritize what God's called me to do that's made this so effective in the first place, and I got to delegate out and make sure that it gets done. Not be like, oh, who cares if nobody greets you warmly? That's got to happen. But it's got to be delegated. And so whatever you might be leading in or praying for, you want to pray for those things. that We care about people, but we also recognize when we got to delegate it out. Now, that's great. But for that to be effective, what do we also see? And this involves everyone, including leaders. We see willing disciples. Willing disciples. That'd be the whole church. It's written all over these seven verses. Sometimes more subtly. Right? Like you have um, uh, this food program that's feeding all these widows. Where do you think that came from? All the willing disciples, some of them, remember selling their property and laying it at at the apostles' feet. Right? Being willing to give, willing to step in. Otherwise, you'd be like, hey, we'd love to help, but we don't have anything. But they did because so many were willing to give. Then there's a problem, right? They call, the apostles are willing to deal with it, and they call a meeting. Imagine your typical uh, Hebrew guy, for instance, who's like, I don't know about that. It's got nothing to do with me. I got something else to do Tuesday night. But they didn't do that, did they? I'm sure some did. But for the most part, they came because they were willing to do it. And then, pick seven guys, they were willing to do it. Those seven guys were willing to do it, and so on. And and so, all over this, gospel growth is willing disciples. It's one thing as a leader to say, I'm going to delegate that out. Hey, who wants to do it? That doesn't work very well, right? You can't delegate unless there's willing disciples. I was thinking about this. Um, specifically on Friday, and it got me a little emotional, which can happen. I know it doesn't always come across, but I can be a sentimental, sappy person. But it's been an emotional week. Some of really good things, exhausting BBS, but always really good. Some personal things that were very um, emotional. And then we had a funeral Friday night, uh, which is never easy. We had to do a Friday night, hottest funeral I've ever been a part of. I even did it in shorts, because family said I could and I was going to die if I didn't, right? So, but it was just this mixture of emotions and I got thinking because the um, celebration of life was for Gene LeClaire. Some of you were here and Gene and his wife, they moved five or six years ago, speaking of twilight years, down to the Carolinas. And, um, but before that, I think of the early years of how important Gene was to what we were doing. And, you know, I, I got thinking about my early years of pastoring when I when I did a funeral for someone who was older, I had great respect and fondness for them. But now as I get older, it's more and more people that we, we sweat together, literally sometimes, bled for the cause of Christ, fighting for the gospel together. And I got to thinking about this whole thing and, and our church and all of you and how thankful I am. Not blowing smoke. I wouldn't do that how thankful I am of how many willing disciples we have had in the past and have now. Like VBS is such a great example of that. Like so many people, adults and teens, willing to literally sweat to death because those kids matter to fight for that. I was 
like someone, he didn't tell me, and, and I'm sure he's mad. He was at the nine, but so, someone was telling me about Andy Avila who's doing a night shift, and he did a double as a police officer. He works in a college campus, and, and I went out to talk to him. Like, we were, he's like, yeah, and I had the, the, to, the duty where I ride a bike the whole night around the campus and around the city. I'm like, it was like 80 degrees last night. He's like, then I got home after midnight. I had to take a shower. And then he's back, not just sitting around. You saw him on the video leading games in like 100-degree heat. And I thought to myself, I got to tell Andy, you shouldn't even be doing this. But that's not true, is it? He, he's called of God to do it, so he should do it. Not called by Jamie to do it, called by God. And he's willing to step in and almost exhaust himself for those kids and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's just one example of so many, not just VBS, whether it's a worship team, whether it's our kids, teachers, our small group leaders, our greeters, our refreshment team, our outreach team, our, our deacons, our, our elders. Our, you know, I mean, it's so many people willing, and that's the environment where the gospel grows. And it's in New England, people. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but we're in New England. You know what that means? It's supposed to be dead. Chuck Swindoll, the famous uh, pastor writer, he once said uh, in one of his books, when I graduated from seminary, I prayed, God, send me anywhere you want me to go, except for New England. Don't send me there. Guess where his first church was, by the way? New England. Never, ever pray a prayer like that. And also don't try to use reverse psychology on God. God, send me to New England. Because guess what? He knows your heart, right? It ain't going to work. And, and uh, he got out of there quickly, though. And, and it's just because uh, we're often pushed to the side. Like, the gospel's not wanted here largely, right? And yet, we believe wholeheartedly that God's at work, that God is moving, that the gospel will spread. And so we want to be willing to be just ready for that and let God use us, each one of us, right, and, and collectively be an environment where lost people come to know and grow in Jesus Christ. And I, I man, I, I'm so, I say this, this, this part in the message first to just say thank you for all that you're willing to do. I know you do it for Christ. You don't do it for me, and I hope you always will do it for Christ. But still, I can be thankful, and I am all the time. I was just having lunch with one of our missionaries yesterday, and he sees a lot of churches. He's like, man, attendance is down, giving is down, this is down. He's like, what about you guys? I'm like, we're up, 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 up. Because God is moving and willing disciples in New England, in an area where most would say it can't happen. But God is bigger than all of it. So I say thank you. But the second thing I do with this is invite you. If you're newer to, to the church or, man, you, you used to be more involved, but for whatever reason you took a step back. And, I, and this is not a guilt. that never works. It just says, man, step in to wherever God's called you. Be a part of it. Don't just watch it happen. Jump in. And I'm not saying it has to be VBS. Some of you are like, that me. I know. But some of you, it's this, it's finance, it's uh, uh, working with teens, it's leading a group, it's outreach, it's all kind of evangelism. Step into it. Be invited to step in. Don't stay on the sidelines because gospel growth happens with willing disciples. And that's who we have here. And I want you to be a part of it if you're not. And so I know it's hot. And I want to be done for your sake and for mine. But let me just cap it with this really quick. 
because this is so critical. We talk about this a lot. But when you see all over these seven verses is that growth. Yes, you had wise leaders, the apostles, and yes, you had willing disciples, but you also had a gospel atmosphere. What do I mean by that? You see, it's one thing to preach the good news of Christ and teach it and sing it. Great place to start. But boy, for you and I to thrive, we have to live it. And that's not in the flesh ever easy. What did you see here? They came together. There wasn't, oh, be quiet, you dumb Greek speak. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's one or two people that did that. But overall, what we see is let's deal with this issue. Let's not overlook this group. Let's, right? And, and then they said, because I've been there, man. I, I've been, uh, uh, I've, I've had someone come with a legit issue or complaint. We respond, apologize, deal with it, and they're still mad. I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? We listened. We dealt with it. It's just like you want to be mad. Right? That's the opposite of the gospel. The gospel says we're coming together. We're going we're gonna to reconcile. We're going to bring peace to this situation. Why? Because the gospel is more important than me. Because Christ is more important than me. And because lost people who need Jesus are more important than me. That's a gospel atmosphere. And that's hard. You've got to pray for that, don't you? You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, Woo, can't wait to put people in front of me. And it's not how human beings operate normally. But you pray for the Spirit, give me patience. It's my top prayer, right? I'll see someone pull up. It's never you, I promise, you know. And I'm like, oh, Lord, give me patience. And he does. Not because the person's a jerk, but because I need patience. Because I love them. And I want that person to thrive. But I need God's help. Because that's not my agenda. Clearly, it's God's. And so, gospel atmosphere is something to pray for and seek and say, whatever the issue is, if you're feeling a little grumbly, you know what that is? You know what that is. Mm. Mm. Not angry, you might be feeling that, but like usually you kind of know that you shouldn't be feeling that way. But grumbly, we feel like we deserve. I know I do. Like, really, God? Mm, right? And if you're feeling that way towards someone, Deal with it. And I don't say that like, deal with it. That's not what I mean. I mean, actually deal with it. Deal with it with God first, and then go to the person. Right? I mean, I, a few months ago, I had someone come to me. I said something in a sermon that I didn't mean it to come out that way, and, and it kind of hurt them. They came to me. It wasn't an easy situation. We dealt with it. Still good friends, because I didn't realize, and we, we dealt with it. person could have easily just talked behind my back. Been angry with me and let the weeds grow. Don't do that. Deal with it, right? Pray about it and deal with it. A lot of times you just need to overlook it. So what? But if it's something you got to deal with, deal with it. Gospel atmosphere says we want to reconcile. We want to be a place that's different than the world that just gets angry and backfights and, 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 all, and gossips and all that. No. Those are the biggest weeds there are. We want them completely gone to say, that the gospel matters more than me. Lord, help us. Always. Let's pray. Father, I pray for all these so many willing disciples that you have saved, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would continue to give them courage, give them strength and wisdom the ability to step into places you've called them to 
even when they're exhausted, or they feel like they can't keep going. Lord, if they need rest, you'd provide that rest. But if they need to be inspired, encouraged, you'd do that through your spirit. Fill them, fill me, fill us. Father, give us wisdom, especially leaders, not just our elders, but our ministry leaders and staff. Give us wisdom. Pour it upon us through your spirit. And Lord, may we continue to be a place that fosters and grows in Christ and that you would use us to impact this valley and beyond with the gospel, the good news. We don't want to just play church, God. We want to be your people. And we need you to do it. And Lord, if there's anyone here who's just never said yes in faith to Christ, that you'd open their eyes of faith, that you, Jesus, your death and resurrection and your power is the only way. That they would say no to their self and they'd say yes to you. I pray call them to yourself, Lord. And all of it bring the glory and the honor to the name above all names, the Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're able, stand and sing praises to the Lord with us. You can stand.